Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Bold, reverent, and occasionally random. The Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast starts now. Yesterday, Buck, I thought something happened on the show that would not happen ever. Now it's going to happen again. This may be even more crazy. I am going to praise Joy Behar, who I've previously called the dumbest woman appearing on any program daily in America, maybe in the world. Joy Behar was on The View yesterday, Buck. I said Whoopi Goldberg nailed it. I mean, maybe maybe I'm going to end up one of the chicks on The View at this direction. Clay, you're going to be on The View, and Joy's going to say, you're handsomer in person, Mr. Travis. I mean, they might end up adding me as a dude just to have a dude on The View, not just chicks, and uh, maybe I'd end up agreeing with them every day. If, because- I don't know if you get to call them <laughs> chicks if you're on set with them. I'm just throwing that out there. Is chicks an offensive term? I mean, not to I, me, but I'm a dude. I mean, it's interesting. I remember when I was practicing law, I, uh, uh, I, we had a new attorney, new female attorney. And I said, who's the new girl? And they were like, uh, one of the women partners was like, oh, you would never say who's the new boy. And I was like, no, but I would say who's the new guy. She was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's right. But I mean, so I, this whole idea of, you know, what words can you use? I don't think that chicks is is an offensive term. Certainly not gonna <laughs> not gonna call them babes. Uh, but uh, Joy Behar, this has this happened to you ever, Buck? So Marjorie Taylor Greene was out to dinner, I think, and she was confronted by someone who disagreed with her politically. Have you had or been in any scene where you've seen a situation like this happen? Wait, to me, or have I seen yeah, it happen with to somebody what? you're sitting with? I've had it happen once. Uh, I, so. I, I, I will tell you, I, I was very disappointed where I lived in D.C. Uh, was also a place during the Trump administration where there were some Trump White House officials. I bring it up because there were and I mean the most blue haired, you know, nose ring wearing lunatic libs had gathered right under my window. Yeah. And they were banging drums and cowbells. They're like, oh, like you support like the white nationalist in the White House and all this stuff. 
And there's a part of me that's like, these people are super annoying. It's a Sunday. I want to sleep. But also a part of me that was like, oh, moving up in the world. I got to. They were going for Stephen Miller. <laughs> and, and he lived on the other side of the building, which is what was so unfair. He never heard a peep from these lunatics. But I thought they were there for me. Turned out not so much. But no, this I- actually hasn't happened to me yet. But a lot of very nice people in our radio audience come up and say wonderful things about us. And I love them. But I haven't had the nasty. The na- I've had when I worked at CNN, I had a guy look at me on the uh, subway, and he stared at me, and uh, he said, uh, "I see you on CNN." He says, "You sound eloquent, but I hate everything you say." So that was a little bit of a a thing. What did you have? What happened to you? Uh, I've had I've been screamed at twice uh, really? while doing stand ups. Yeah, once last year, meaning twenty twenty one. So I was at a Tennessee Georgia game, I think, or ten. I don't remember. I was standing up doing like a television hit, and in between the hits, somebody screamed at me. I can't believe you're defending Kyle Rittenhouse in any way. You're going to go to hell and a bunch of curse words. Um, that was in Knoxville. Oh wow! And then I was I doing a stand-up. I wonder how that person feels about himself, uh, considering Kyle Rittenhouse 100 percent innocent and did nothing wrong. But yeah, interesting. Yeah, I was right on that one. And then, actually, I don't even know that I mentioned this to you. I was doing a stand-up, about to do one before the uh, Alabama-Texas game in Austin when you were you and your family were down there, you and your brothers. And somebody came by and was like, I listened to your show. You're a horrible racist, blah, 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 blah. Like a lot of curse words. And I was like, appreciate you listening. <laughs> and, uh, and so that's the only two times face-to-face that I've ever had. Oh, no. and that's not even I, really I, face-to-face. I, I, I'm forgetting. I went to a black tie event in New York, and there was a line of protesters outside, and a couple of them got uh, right in my... I'm, I'm in a tuxedo, and a couple of them got right in my face, and they're like, they're like, you're not welcome here. We know who you are. Again, I want to be like, not welcome here. This is my city. What are you, you're you born raised. You probably just got off a bus from someplace God knows where. Like, what are you talking about? But you're not welcome in New York, you know, this whole thing. And they were screaming in my face. The cops are right there. So I think they also were hoping that I, you know, this is these people are so tough. They want to get right in your face. They were all males. They want to get right in your face and say really aggressive things. And then the moment you like do anything, oh, my gosh, yeah, he attacked me. Yeah. Throw him in jail. <laughs> not, such, yeah, of course. 99.9% of all things that I hear in public are positive, but I did want to mention that. And the idea that you would confront someone in a restaurant, regardless of their politics, and I say this to everybody out there listening as well, indefensible. You are not in the right when you make this decision. So Marjorie Taylor Greene was confronted uh, and this is what Joy Behar on The View had to say. Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted that she was, quote, attacked, quote unquote, by a woman in a restaurant on Monday night and was screamed at by her adult son, not Marjorie's son, the woman's son, while she was sitting at a table with members of her staff simply because she claims it was just because she has political views that are different. So I have to say I'm on Marjorie's side for this one because I don't believe that anybody should be going up to any of us, anybody in public and harassing us. Amen. Joy Behar nailed it. Hey. Never have said it before on the show. She's 100% right. High five for Joy Behar on that one. I was just going to say it. Uh, we will always, when people speak the truth, they're speaking the truth. I don't care who says it. The truth is a good thing. She's right. She probably took a little heat from her audience on that one. I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe Joy Behar is sick of carrying water for the commies. You know, maybe she's starting to see a little, a, a glimmer of light. Let's not get crazy. Let's not get crazy. But a little tiny bit. And to Joy Behar's defense here, 
This is the exact opposite of what Congresswoman Maxine Waters said. Remember where she said, get everybody in the face and scream at them, basically. The View should have us on. Let's just put that out there. The View, Bookers, have on Clay and Buck. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast. And this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sunday Sizzle with Clay and Buck. Democrats sometimes can take it too far. Or, you know, I would I would categorize liberal as different than woke. You know, woke, which started out as a good thing, alert to injustice, who could be against that. But it became sort of an eye roll because they love diversity except of ideas. And that's not really where we should be. I mean, they have a, a trail of very bad ideas, I, I would think, uh, and wokeness. They do have a trail of very bad ideas. That was Bill Maher on his show who, again, is a climate change catastrophist and a, and a man of the left on many, many issues, but 
does sometimes break with the lunatic left on some very key issues, speak some truth even to his own side, and that I think certainly qualifies as a as a moment of that. They do not like diversity of ideas. But also another thing he brings up is how we still live in an environment, Clay, where anyone can get canceled at any time. Play 22. My audience who comes to my show now understands me. They think like me. They have open minds. They're not woke. They're generally liberal, but they can be conservative, too. And we have a great time, and there's no groaning, and I love it. But look, any comic in this era, anybody in this era, can absolutely fall off the ledge at any moment. It just makes me laugh when people say to me, you know, you're uncancelable. Are you kidding? In two seconds, I could get canceled. Anybody could. Now, there are different standards, Clay, as we know. You know, people have more or less protection from cancellation depending on their politics, their identity, uh, you know, identity politics, uh, their race, their gender, all of that. But there is there is obviously even a risk uh, for people on the left who speak out and speak the truth of getting canceled. We've seen that before. I, I get the sense that there is more national fatigue with this than a lot of Democrats even realize. I think people are getting real tired of it. Well, I agree. And and I think whoever the Republican nominee in 2024 is, and I've spent a lot of time thinking about this because I'm writing a book that's going to be out in September, I I think being opposed to cancel culture in all facets has to be a big part of the Republican platform. And I would even expand it and say, be in favor of jokes. Be in favor sometimes of offensive jokes. Be in favor of jokes that might sting and make people uncomfortable. I think the Republican Party should become the party that embraces humor. Uh, Because I think there is this idea that is out there that you tell a joke and the wrong person gets offended and suddenly you aren't able to make a living anymore is universally reviled by black, white, Asian, and Hispanic people out there. People enjoy laughing. And I would build on this further. You probably get asked this question sometimes, Buck, and I certainly do. Um... What would you do? Like if if you wanted to be Clay Travis or Buck Sexton and you are listening right now and you are 15 or 16 years old and you are in high school, I get asked this question all the time. Like, hey, how do I end up in media? How do I end up getting to say exactly what I think? I would encourage all of you to get interested in owning your own business and your own content. Because I think the reason why I've been able to survive through cancel culture to a large extent, Buck, was because I owned OutKick. And because I had the ability to control my message and my platform. And it doesn't mean that you have to be in the content business. But if you want to get into any media business, any, con- any business in general, unless you control that business you're always going to be potentially cancelable. So you got to own the business. you got to own your content. You have to control your ability to speak to the larger public because otherwise you may well run yeah. into challenges when you actually say exactly what you think. And successful business owners out there who share the values of this show, others who share our yeah. values out there, they need to partner up with them. You know, this 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 is an all hands on deck situation, everybody. If if you believe in the Bill of Rights, if you believe in constitutional liberty and a truly free society, it's not enough to just say that and to vote every four years. There are things that everybody can do. I, I always say this. For example, every sponsor we have on this show, I've never been shy about this now or in the past. They're standing with us for yes. the principles we talk about. They've made an affirmative decision 
that they believe at least they don't have to agree with us and everything, but they believe in free speech. They believe in diversity of ideas. They think that a free society, a free America is a better one. And so there's a partnership there. There's something we really appreciate. Uh, I, I would also note, Clay, that, you know, uh, dictionary.com has added some on the whole wokeness thing. This is amazing. The new words that have been I've learned some new words today. These are now, according to dictionary.com, I guess that means that they are official at some level. They've added rage farming, pink washing, Latine, and a couple other things. Let me just take you through these. First of all, rage farming is my favorite. You know what rage farming is? You ever heard this no one idea. before? It's where you post things online or in any forum where the whole point is just to absolutely upset as many people as possible. So that I kind of like funny to me. I yeah. kind of like rage farming. I, I might actually use that one. This was a new one that was this is they added 313 words for this year um, and pink washing, which I had never heard of before. Uh, that is when companies disingenuously try to appease the LGBTQ plus community. So this is the like, oh, we don't just sell you like, uh, you know, household cleaning products like we stand with the LGBTQ plus community or something like that. It's basically a cynical trying to appease it's the like community. It's like sports washing. They're just adding, like, the ideas out there. Oh, the Saudis are taking over soccer, and now they've got live, right? I mean, I'm assuming that's where this kind of all came from, and now they're just applying it to a variety of different it, it, uh, perspectives. The, the one that I think is the most interesting in some ways, they're replacing Latinx. They're replacing Latinx now. Wokeness has realized Latinx, massive fail, because... You speak to anyone in the Latino community, and they go, "What the heck is that?" You know that this this yeah, becomes right. a tough thing for them to keep. So now it is Latin. I guess I don't know if it's Latin. I guess L A T I N E. So that's a gender neutral version. They're saying of Latino or Latina, Latin with an e at the end. I mean, it's not. It doesn't have to make sense, Clay. Right? It's just this is what they're doing. I haven't spent. Obviously, I. I took French in high school and speak it very poorly, but what are they doing about all these languages where basically every word is gendered? Like where you're male or feminine. I mean, they, how are they, they, they handling thought, the yeah. wokeification? Sunday Drop with Clay and Buck. The Oscars were last night. Do we even, do we talk? This is always one of these things, conservatives, we sit here... Do we talk about the Oscars or do we just ignore them entirely? I, I decided to go for the short version here of why is it uh, that the Oscars um, have ceased to have the cultural relevance that they used to. I mean, I remember back when great movies used to be nominated and were winning Oscars on a, on a regular basis. It was, I think they said it was watched by a billion people and it was this huge show and all the glamour and everything. And yeah, there were still left wing idiots all over the place, but there, there, there were movies like uh, Saving Private Ryan and, and Braveheart and Gladiator and, you know, I don't know, No Country for Old Men, which some people like more than me, but it was a good movie. Uh, I don't know, go down the list. These are all movies that were in, entertaining to watch and showed a real, a real skill set, a real peak in the craft of movie making and now there are all these movies getting nominated i'm like what is that never even heard of these things before I and mean, the movie industry is is a 
a shadow of its former self. That's obviously the case. Streaming and serialized content has taken so much more of the attention. Uh, but the two things I thought were interesting was one is that there was a there was a woman in the audience with a huge like veil part of her dress that was blocking the view of people behind her at the Oscars. And I know this seems like, you know, oh, how how big a deal is this? I really do think that we have seen the collapse of consideration in in public venues. I think that people now feel very uh, feel very justified in doing all kinds of things that are just rude. They're just rude. I'm going to say it. People will they'll play. I, I've come across this thing in the gym because, uh, you know, I'm trying to fight the dad bot even before I become a dad. It's a losing battle so far, but I'm working on it. I've come across people that have really loud because the gym, they're playing music. So they have to shout over the music into their earphones, you know, their AirPods or whatever. Um, and and they're having these work conversations uh, that are so loud. And you're like, I, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear your uh, your work conversation. I and and. And I also don't want to stare into the back if I'm at a theater or a venue of someone's hat or somebody's, you know, gown or, or whatever. Um, Oscar nominee Thames was uh, slammed on social media after her elaborate outfit blocked the view of fellow attendees at the Academy Awards. Um, I mean, if you see the photo of this. It's not a it's it would be like somebody showing up. It's it's like she has like a like a parachute behind her head. I mean, it's huge and it blocks the view of people behind her and she just doesn't care. And I guess no one's supposed to care. And consideration for others is just uh, out the window. It's just out the window all over the place. No one seems to pay any attention to it. It's really anyway, that's what that's the big takeaway for for the Oscars for me. That and Jessica Chastain put on a mask. Yep. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. 
when I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? It look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck. There was a time when Saturday Night Live was actually funny sometimes. Clay remembers that. I remember it. Some of you will remember. There wasn't back in the Dana Carvey, Mike Myers era. Some of you even before that would point to the Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy, Steve Martin era, right? There, Bill Murray. Um, did I ever say him? Uh, there, there was a time when SNL was actually pretty clever. It was a comedy. It actually, was amazingly clever, and it was really in the zeitgeist, depending on which period you're talking about. We were discussing in the first hour that Keith Olbermann's suggestion for Ron DeSantis, um, when when Keith is not starting Twitter feuds with Clay or or with me, Clay tends to uh, engage more. I still laugh because he calls me Tag uh, Tug. Tug sex butt is what he always calls me on Twitter, which is pretty funny. I don't know where the, t- you know, anyway, that's what he says. That's what he writes at me. Um, but uh, he was the biggest name at MSNBC for a long time. He was the biggest name, the uh, host tentpole. And here he is put through the prism of Ben Affleck discussing how when his cat, Miss Precious Perfect, was a problem for the co-op board of his apartment in Manhattan, that that was about as bad as the bombing of Pearl Harbor or something along those lines. Clay, you've never heard it. Here's just a little a little reminder of Ben Affleck as Keith Olbermann on SNL. The letter was brief and to the point. Dear Mr. Olbermann, it read... The co-op board, having reviewed your request for an exception to its no-pets policy in order to accommodate your cat, Miss Precious Perfect, regretfully concludes that in consideration of the rights of other co-op residents, such an exception is not possible at this time. Sincerely, Richard Lieberstein, co-op president. And there it was, all perfectly legal. Like the 1942 internment of more than 100,000 Japanese American citizens. Or the forced relocation of the Cherokee on the Trail of Tears. 
or the monstrous injustice of our nation's Jim Crow laws. It was all perfectly legal and every bit as wrong, if not indeed more so. You get, That's you get, very it, well done. It's pretty pretty good impression of him from back in the day. Uh, I, I can't get over how funny the idea is. I'm sure that Keith Olbermann has never been to Disney World. If you have ever been to Disney World, and if you're if you missed earlier, Olbermann said that because Ron DeSantis has been feuding with Disney World and has this new board that is designed to govern, that Disney World should leave Florida, which is again impossible. I, the analogy I made, Buck, is like saying New York City should move to Idaho. Like you just can't do it. But then the rest of Disney World should all be burned down while Ron DeSantis is made to go watch it. Disney World is so huge. I the, the idea, I don't even understand how you could come up with the idea of just move it, right? It is such a monstrosity and all of the buildings that are involved and everything else. This was why Ron DeSantis could go toe-to-toe with Disney because the investment in material, the investment in cost, I mean, I don't know, Disney has to have... I would think a billion dollars. I don't think that's crazy. A billion dollars just in building fees at a minimum. Not to mention the whatever the valuation of the Disney World theme park is now. The idea that you would just pick it up and move it to Puerto Rico, uh, which is funny because nobody can get to Puerto Rico. The great success of Disney World was it's open 365 days a year, and it was selected because the weather is great, but also because theoretically so many people can get to Florida. It's it's mind insane. It's insanity. You know, this this is as silly an idea as if someone were to say, hey, maybe we can save the city of Portland by moving it from Oregon to Texas or something. It'd be hard to move a whole city, but you got to figure out something right now. This was also uh, just in the last 24 hours up on the Daily Mail. Business owners are fleeing Portland in droves amid pronounced rising crime and homelessness, and public data shows that 2,600 businesses in the downtown have left yeah. Portland. In Portland's not that big of a city, so for 2,600 businesses to just be like, we're out, we're not doing this anymore, that's a lot. That's a lot of shuttered storefronts, and I just think that what we've been talking about with the Chicago, look, moving in the right direction. Chicago is moving in the right direction now with Now, how much? Maybe it's only one or two steps, but getting rid of Lori Lightfoot, who is an obviously horrific mayor, the mayor of Portland, Ted Wheeler. I don't know if he's still the mayor. He might be gone now. I got to check. He certainly was one of the worst mayors. He was somebody who was sucking up to Antifa and then went out. Did did you ever see this? And he went out to be like, I stand with you, Antifa. And they just started cursing at him and screaming at him. And you're a sellout and you're, you know, you're the man and the whole thing. And, you know, this is what is it's not like we just talk about this because we're in conservative media. This is happening in places. So while the while the libs are all upset about Disney, which is fine and going to be fine, some great American cities. I mean, I, I think Portland's a beautiful place. I, I really we've got a great audience in the Portland area. They know I love the Pacific Northwest, but the Democrat policies are making it a place people don't want to be. Good way to describe the reaction to George Floyd. And I know this, Buck, because I've been going through all the numbers as part of my new book that's going to be out in September. Portland from 2000 to 2019 had an average of 21 murders a year. After the George Floyd protests and the violence, 
in 2021, I believe they went over 80 murders. Just think about how crazy that is for a city like Portland. Again, I just gave you almost a generation worth of murder data. Around 21 people a year would be murdered in Portland. In the wake of the George Floyd murders, they went over 80, right? And by the way, it's because the people who were protesting decided, as we all know, that cops are evil. But Portland had almost no crime at the time. And then they totally have fallen apart. So some of these white woke cities that have allowed the white woke class to effectively take over, I don't know, what's the percentage of white residents of Portland? I bet it's 85%, right? It's not a particularly diverse community. And yet they allowed this George Floyd incident to so take over their city that it destroyed the essence of one of the most beautiful places in America. In the case of Portland, you had overwhelmingly white antifa yep trying to uh you know burn down a federal courthouse but just in general uh create anarchy and destruction in the downtown and to create the political lack of will for doing anything about this right oh no we don't want to we don't want to crack down on them which then results in the police backing off and and who in general and who suffers the most in American cities, when police are unable to protect their communities, high crime neighborhoods, which are disproportionately minority majority neighborhoods. So when you actually look at at who suffers as a result of the whether it's the BLM narrative in Portland or, or across the country, uh, the data speaks very clearly on this. And I just I remember going to Portland and thinking this place is so cool and pretty and has such great food. But this was uh, back in 2010 was when I was the last time I visited. And I remember also, though, seeing already in the downtown, you started to just have that people camping out people. There was this yeah. whole attitude of we're going to take this approach of let people do drugs and let people you know sleep in the streets and live in the streets and sell drugs and all this stuff. And it all just builds. It all just cascades uh, and gets worse. And this is what we've seen now. And places really suffer. Once the businesses have left, Clay, now you've all, now you're already behind. Right now, it's you're trying to rebuild. You're not trying to just get things to normal. And Buck, it's double barreled too. It's not only the rise of homeless populations in many of these cities. It's also that a lot of people aren't going back to office buildings. You walk around a lot of American cities now, and remote work has taken over to such an extent, particularly in cities where people had long commutes in the first place. New York City, Buck, I think, is only back to 50% occupancy for many of the big buildings. A lot of people aren't going in. Basically, Monday and Friday are no-goes for many people. They might go in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but people are not making that trip into the office anymore. This is a big deal. I was just up at Fox News uh, in New York City doing uh, shows and doing some events up there. It's wild to see how few people there are walking around on the streets in the middle part of the day when you used to see every store packed, basically. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 